0: Welcome to the Evolve to Succeed podcast. I am Warren Munson, the host of the podcast where founders, entrepreneurs, business leaders, and experts from a variety of sectors are interviewed to explore the link between personal and business success. In line with Evolve's principles, we also look at the importance of personal development, accountability, and collaborative support in the pursuit of meaningful success. Through the insights of our guests, as well as my own business journey, the aim is to inspire you, the listener, to become better in life and in business. Welcome to this week's episode. My guest today is Kate Chasty, owner and franchisor of The Passionate PA, which specializes in outsourcing expert PAs to entrepreneurs and business leaders. A PA is often one of the unsung heroes in any business. A good PA, especially for the founder of an owner managed business become so much more than just a PA. That individual can become a second brain, someone to bounce your thoughts and challenges off, whether they're related to business or otherwise. They can even take on the sort of role of somebody that really cares about your business as much as you do. They can bring their own expertise and professionalism to your business and also have a deep understanding of your strengths and weaknesses and know how to counter these. The work that Kate and her team does at The Passionate PA is a great reflection of this acknowledgement and to listen to Kate is not only to understand how the role of a PA has changed over the years, it's also to be inspired by her belief and enthusiasm in the role and the potential for the great partnerships it can create. Kate herself has a great business story and in this episode Kate remembers Her work experience as a 16-year-old first alerted her to the important role of a PA.
1: There were only three people in that business and they were making loads of money and he was having the celebrity career, but she was holding it all together and that was an incredible opportunity to see that.
0: Recounts her feelings when she took the reins of the passionate PA 17 days after its original founder passed away.
1: I had that whole imposter syndrome thing going on. And it took me, a, you know, if I'm honest, it took me a good three or four years to work through that and really feel like the business is my own.
0: And gives valuable advice for anyone looking to franchise their business.
1: Really think about who your ideal franchising is. Obviously, like absolutely get to grips with who you want in your franchise um, and who you want to, you know, to partner with, and because it is a partnership. You have to actually like these people, which you will be spending a lot of time with them.
0: If you want to learn more about Evolve and the services that we offer then please do go to EvolveMembers.com. But for now, let's get on with the show. Welcome, Kate, to the Evolve to Succeed podcast.
1: Hi, thank you for having me, Warren. Yeah,
0: it's great to have you on a guest. I'm really excited to have you on as a guest, Kate. We've known each other quite a long time we worked together Mm -hmm. um you know both doing the voluntary roles with the iod back that's probably 10 years ago now isn't it yeah
1: absolutely it was um the iod was one of my very first clients when i took on the passionate pa so yeah probably near 11 or 12 years
0: so and since then you've been on a great journey and i want to explore that business journey with you but i also want to talk to you during the course of the podcast which we'll come to about franchising and your experiences of successfully franchising the passionate PA so we'll come to that but let's just start off with on just a kind of a straightforward kind of question about y- your life today and when you look back on it is it clear that you're always destined to run your own business do you think?
1: Oh goodness um, absolutely <laughs> it's probably the best answer the shortest answer is absolutely I was and um, I've always been a bit of a free spirit if i'm honest warren and i you know i hated school i hated university it was all too structured for me and i wasn't a very good employee either if i'm honest when i was at the beginning of my career because i always wanted to put in 120 and and some employers they just want you to do the job and then do the job really well and then you know leave at the end of the day and that was never me i was always all in or you know completely uh, detached from it so so yeah I, I think um I had a really interesting um childhood with my parents well my dad working um in in a serious role and I think he just he taught me what corporate life was about and I didn't really okay. want that so I wanted to create my own um my own way of working Did you, think
0: so, you yeah. rebelled against seeing your dad in the corporate life do you think
1: yeah i'm not sure rebelled is the right word i think i wanted um as most children do i wanted to very much please him you know he wanted me to have this really great corporate career and chase the money and everything um and i just didn't see that there was any enjoyment in that because he um so he he had he was an accountant essentially or or a tax inspector actually um for the top three of the top four accountancy firms so very much your world warren and um and as much as he was very good at it, incredibly good at it, he didn't love it, there was no passion in it, there was no um, excitement for the day to day job, really, he lived for the weekends when he was renovating houses. And um, he ended up, you know, just chasing the money and the money and the money. And um, by the time he was 48, he'd, you know, had enough money to retire. But he also had a heart attack on the way home from from work. And, you know, his body literally said, you can't do this anymore. So it wasn't um it wasn't a great example of how corporate life can be. I'm sure there are examples of it being wonderful, but that wasn't what I wanted at all. I thought there had to be more to life. If you're gonna spend your, your life working, you've gotta love it. I I sort of began to understand. So yeah, it was an interesting <laughs> interesting childhood. <laughs>
0: but I suppose it must have also taught you the kind of benefits of hard work and commitment as well.
1: Definitely, definitely. For him to be able to retire at that age was incredible. Um, So, and if there's anything my dad does really well, it's hard work and commitment. So definitely I learned that from from him for sure. Um, And they really helped me develop a a fierce sense of loyalty and self-motivation, I think, because Mm. he was so motivated to get to that end goal, which was retire as quickly as possible and change your pace of life. But, you know, it also taught me that I wanted far more than that and money wasn't the only thing. So once you've achieved your, you know, your level of wealth that you want, you need more than that. And and he never had that. And I think that's what um, really inspired me to do something different with my life.
0: OK. And before starting The Passionate PA, you, you had a variety of different roles. You did some travelling <laughs> in Australia, didn't you? I think you worked for a, a TV celebrity and in interior designer so you know that was my first the, job. your very <laughs> first job wow that's a, that's a great yeah, first a job
1: well it wasn't even a job if I'm honest it was work experience so you know 16 years old and the school tell you that you need to go and have work experience for two weeks and you know find someone that will take you for two weeks um and all my friends were just you know finding really I'm, I'm gonna say boring I'm sure they didn't think it was boring but really boring obvious solutions to that work experience placement and I just there was something in me that just said this really mattered. So I got out the yellow pages, as you did back then, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, in the 1990s, and, um, yeah, just looked up interior design companies. That's what I thought I wanted. There was a nice mix of business and creativity and very creative. So I wanted to do that. And I just saw Llewellyn Bowen Limited. And at the time, Changing Rooms and Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen was, like, height of his mm. fame back then. Um, and they lived relatively local to to me. So, so yeah, I just... You know cheekily wrote him a letter and said i'd really love to do work experience with you does that you know is that even a thing and um and he interviewed me in his lounge that was an experience and a half to be honest (laughs) um and yeah I showed him my creative portfolio back then but as a 16 year old obviously that wasn't brilliant and um and yeah he just gave me a job for two weeks and I just I shadowed his um PA essentially um and really got into the the depths of their lives to be honest I mean that was real entrepreneurial lifestyle because as much as he's a celebrity and um you know has that the, um game that he plays he's actually incredibly talented and he's running a business and so that was my first real taste of entrepreneurship i think um and it was incredible i mean some of the things he made me do in those two weeks are just insanely weird um but there's probably that's a whole different <laughs> podcast but perhaps it, we shouldn't was, go there <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> definitely not definitely not but his pa coming back to the pa thing his pa um was just an incredible woman so ambitious and it was obvious to me even at 16 that she really ran the show (laughs) you know nothing happened without it getting through her and so that was that was a taste of excitement i think that that really pushed me to do something um similar in the future
0: yes yeah, so you do think that that gave you that burning desire to see that actually there is more to a pa role than
1: oh definitely. making coffee yeah. me-
0: booking meetings oh there goodness. is this kind of executive pa and you know helping run and
1: yeah. drive well, I, business. Don't, I you know as you well know from the passionate pa i don't think a, a pa is is uh, somebody that answers the phone at all. There's somebody that can run your business for you when you're not there, if you've got the right one. Um, So, And that's what the passionate PA is all about. That's what Pia was about. That was the name of the PA that that Lawrence had. That was her life. She was holding the whole thing together. There were only three people in that business and they were making loads of money and he was having the celebrity career, but she was holding it all together. And that was an incredible opportunity to see that even for such a short space of time. So it it was very clear to me back then that the PA role was far more than anybody had ever said it was before and my father as well who worked in corporate life and had a PA but she literally answered the phone and moved his emails about <laughs> that was it and that, that's not a, that's not the PA role these days at all is it
0: no not at all so I mean how would you define a, you know how would you define the modern PA role then I mean you started oh, to touch on it there that it's such about, a big you know, question holding the strings
1: it's such a big question um I think it's different for each company. So if you're a big corporate environment, then the PA role is, is very structured and very set. But the people we love doing the PA bit for are the entrepreneurs of this world who are working at such a pace and developing at such a pace that there is just no time to not be brilliant, if you see what I mean. So there really are the, the modern PA role for entrepreneurs, I think, is is about um being your business partner it's about being another business brain in in your business it's somebody that really cares as much about your business as you do it's all very well going home and talking to your family and friends about your business but no you know they don't really care they want you as a human being not you as a business person where repeat whereas a pa will will really get on that journey with you and and that's what we do it's, it's just so exciting to be part of entrepreneurial journeys like that and make a real difference as well I mean you know this as well as I do Warren I've got a hundred stories I could tell of you know how much of a difference a a really good PA will make to your business um entrepreneurial business so yeah I think it's different for each each industry each sector each size of business but entrepreneurs need need a right hand person that can be male or female these days Um, and I think if you get the right one it's really business changing for sure
0: yeah, and that's a great way of putting it, I think, to summarise what you said, it's enabling that entrepreneur to be entrepreneurial, let them yeah, do the things, straight to yeah. their strengths, do the things they're good at, but have the control happening in the background.
1: Sure. Sure. And
0: uh, fit's always an interesting one, isn't it, um, with a PA and, and recruitment and getting the right one, and you you see individuals and particularly entrepreneurial characters, you know, go through a chain of PAs. <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> yep, absolutely.
0: And I suppose it's still really important in your world with the outsourced kind of passionate PA kind of piece. How do you get fit, do you think, right between the PA and a business leader?
1: I think that's about the business leader knowing themselves very well and being prepared to be vulnerable because I think with with your PA role, you you know, with your PA person, um, you need to be prepared to show them your whole self rather than just this boss scenario. You need that partnership in place. So um I think it's um yeah, I think it's a lot down to the leader actually knowing who they are and, and what they want and what they're good at and being prepared to have someone else that's really better than them at certain things. Mm-hmm. That's um that's key. But then it's also down to the PA, not or, or the EA or whatever, you know, label they want to give themselves. Um I prefer business partner these days, <laughs> but it's down to that person. Um, really being honest about what they can do and honest about their way of working as well so a lot of PAs do just want the nine to five role where they're doing a really great job in that time and driving the business forward in that time and doing whatever it is you're telling them to do but we will be the people that that really are always there in the background and thinking about your business at 3 a.m in the morning when we've had this amazing idea to help that business go forward so I think um it's really down to the PA being really honest about what sort of role they want to. So um, yeah, it's a really difficult one. And test the waters, you know, it's a relationship that should last the test of time. I've personally got clients that I've worked with for six or seven years, which is which is amazing. Um, and PA should, should last a long time, they should grow with you rather than, you know, stay in a particular skill set, I think. That's what
0: and I suppose we have started to get. We'll come back to your journey, but we are. <laughs> we've kind of gone off on a slight kind of tangent around the business and the business model. I mean, how does having an outsourced PA work compared to having somebody in-house?
1: Um, okay, so for us, it's it's very much about helping um, entrepreneurs that are at the um, at a point where they are about to. Um, really take on a growth journey so they they don't know yet whether they've got the full funds or the full um, role for an employed PA so for us it's about filling that gap for them you know we don't want clients for seven years that's quite unusual to have clients for that long we want clients um that are going through a period of growth and then we get them to the other side of that and then you say right what do you actually need this pa role to do Um, but more than that it's about skills and it's about the experience we bring to the team so there are a huge number of entrepreneurs that we work with that have already got a pa role or you know an admin role essentially But they need more than that in terms of a skill or an experience. And then, you know, the people I recruit into the Passionate PA are incredible individuals that have all of these amazing, wonderful things, you know, on their um, skills list.
0: Brilliant. So coming back to your journey, and your story, (laughs) so you did your work experience. You had some time in an advertising agency, um, went off travelling to Oz. and then came back to dorset but if you reflect on those early years of your journey what do you think you learned from those early roles Mm. in the advertising agency and your traveling experiences
1: yeah, absolutely. So the advertising agency. So I did a degree in advertising marketing at uni because I, I thought that was a great mix of creativity and, and business. I wanted to join the two um, and got got a role in an advertising agency and, and thought it was just like that was where I was meant to be forever. Warren. It was really important to me that I'd achieved that. Um but what it what did it teach me it taught me a lot about personalities and leadership i mean hmm. i i had a wonderful experience in an advertising agency because it was a really small advertising agency where i was allowed to do everything from you know, make a really good cup of tea right through to pitching for global businesses. Like we, you know, I was twenty, twenty-two, and we were pitching for massive household name work and we were winning it based on things that I was doing. So that was really, really wonderful. It was an amazing opportunity. Um, but also in, in being there, it wasn't... Um, it wasn't quite Devil's Wear Devil Wears Product, but it was similar. You know, there were some really serious, <laughs> awful people in that. Um, and one of the things that I hold really dear is only working with people that um, that I really like and enjoy spending time with. And um, when you're in an employed position, particularly a relatively junior one, you know there are people in the business that are are, are not great to be around and quite um, can be quite toxic. And that's not an environment I ever wanted to stay in. I don't think so. It taught me a lot about what I didn't like more than what I did. <laughs> so as much as I was learning all these skills and, and um and having all these incredible experiences that have obviously stood me in, in good stead. I I was learning a lot about people, I think. Um mm. and then when I started travelling, again, that was that was about learning how to be incredibly self sufficient and rely only on yourself. When you're on the other side of the planet on your own, when life throws you a curveball, you just gotta deal with it, haven't you? you just gonna roll up your sleeves and get stuck in. And so yeah. That's what we did. That's what I did. <laughs> and Of course, you meet right. friends when you're traveling and stuff, but none of them are really your people unless you know you're you know four or five years down the line of a friendship. So. Um, yeah it was an interesting time I did some funny jobs whilst in Australia <laughs> very, okay. very interesting jobs. I uh, worked for a um, worked as a wine waitress uh, in a mafia style restaurant that was fun I know nothing about wine <laughs> but I, I can obviously sell bottles of it to people Um I worked on a cruise ship for a bit I hate the sea I mean why would I why would I do that oh, so you, get into, <laughs> you get into all sorts of, of crazy situations don't you did some door-to-door MOT sales at one point as well and I, because I like talking to people so much, I'd end up going in for a cup of tea with these random Australians. And of course, that's really quite a scary thing to do when you're in your early 20s. But I never got myself into trouble. And I learned a huge amount about people. So it was yeah. all fine. I did do some travel as well as random. Jokes. I recount <laughs> that in,
0: when I was 17, 18, I used to sell burglar alarms door to door. You know, oh really? old-fashioned. And I, <laughs> I do. I, I look back now and I think, oh my God, I really did that. But I also think I learned so much about how to instigate rapport with people how to have conversations you know and actually it's part of that learning experience but I do look back sometimes and think did I really do that Um, Um,
1: I think it's very natural to look back and think oh did I waste those early years or whatever but I don't think anything's ever wasted everything's a journey you know and everything is just an opportunity to learn something about yourself and I think Mm. you know doing doing time on the other side of the world on your own is the best opportunity i mean essentially i was running because i was made redundant from um the advertising agency which is a whole different story and i'd broken up with the you know the serious boyfriend so i was running away from my life and the biggest lesson of all is you can't run from your life because it goes with uk it'll always be with you so um yeah biggest you know life lessons they're always there aren't they it was good came
0: back 2006 to the uk (laughs) with a Purpose in mind? Did you know what you no. wanted to do when you came back? No, no travelling didn't sort no. of set an agenda for you.
1: <laughs> no, and very annoyingly, no, it didn't. I remember coming back and being really disappointed about not knowing what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. So I came back, and the only purpose I had was to start paying my mortgage again because I'd rented out my house. And so, yeah, all I, all I actually knew I had to do was pay my mortgage again. So I started um, temping as um, as a store fit coordinator for toys r us back then uh, which was great fun turned into much more than a temp role as it were. if anybody gets me in their business i just become this you know i'm just like oh i'll do that i'll do that i'll do that and they take on so much so that was really good fun um but i was also working nights in a local pub because i just needed the money and met my husband and yeah life takes a different different path you know completely by fate doesn't it so um he was very supportive of me doing different things so after i'd done the, the toys r us role and traveled around the country putting Um, you know, stores together, essentially, for Toys R Us. I I then moved into the um, in-store promotion printing world um, and got a proper job, as my dad called it, um, (laughs) and started earning proper money. And my biggest client was Procter & Gamble, which was really great because that had gone full circle for me because Procter & Gamble was one of my dad's biggest clients when I was growing up. So yeah, Procter and Gamble was like, "Oh, I've made it! Come on, yeah, I'm doing stuff with a 19." I made my dad rats. proud. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He was proud. I was miserable, but that, that's a different situation. So, yeah, absolutely.
0: But eventually, 2010, you join the passionate PA. So, yeah. how did that come about? Obviously, well, rebelling against corporate life to a degree. Yeah, I, I was assume. absolutely. I think I think by
1: 2008, 2009. Um, we'd just got married and i was realizing that corporate life and and you know being employed um was not very fulfilling i didn't you know i loved the people that i worked with extent and i loved the work i was doing but i didn't love the lifestyle it was creating which was you know get up at the same time every day travel to work commute like however many miles come back sit in a rabbit hutch all day all of that was just not exciting for me at all so I was beginning to get itchy feet and then um Colin my husband he came home from a networking event and he said Kate I've met this amazing woman you're gonna love her um bearing in mind we've been married about two years at the time I was like oh goodness <laughs> okay <laughs> what's going on here <laughs> Um, no bless him bless him bless him she so said you know this woman Sarah she runs this company called the passionate PA she's so you you're so her you should definitely just connect you should talk to her and bear in mind I had no idea about networking more, and I you know I hadn't spent 10 years networking as I had now so um I tentatively you know just sent her an email and said oh I think I should have a chat with you and we just hit it off she was one of those women that was just so incredibly passionate about life she was fulfilled by what she was doing she jumped off the corporate ladder and and decided to go freelance whatever the hell that actually meant back then um and she was having loads of fun and she was really inspiring and so um Yeah, she said, "Oh, well, you've got a different skill set from me. Let's take Dorset by storm. Let's do this." So we just.
0: She was a tour yeah. de force, wasn't
1: she? Yeah, she definitely was. She definitely was, and a bit Amazing of a legend one. now, obviously. So yeah, yeah, I, I, she gave me, you know, a bit of a, a pep talk. But she was like, "Come on, Kate, twenty six. You know, if you if you want to go back to corporate world, you can. But let's go. Let's get on with it." She was one nice, of those, you know, really much, a, make a decision or move on, woman. So I did make a decision and I decided to join her. But that was just as she was finding out that she had breast cancer. And she, um, I never forget her saying to me, Kate, it's a tiny blip in a big journey. We're going to be all right. Like, I'm going to fight this. We're going to crack on. We're going to take over the world. It's all grand. So so I did that. I left my. My job, and everybody was telling me I was totally mad um, because, you know, leaving security is the riskiest thing you can do, right, Warren? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Turns out it's not the riskiest thing you can do at all, actually. Um, but yes. Yeah, so, uh, and then about um, about three weeks before I officially joined the passionate PA, um, she got told that it was all um, dreadful, and you know, yeah. they what the prognosis was terrible. Um, and when she gave me an out, you know, she said, oh, okay, you know, this isn't quite what you signed up for. Do you, do you want to keep your job and, you know, we'll do something else with the passionate PA She thought about selling it to other people? Um, and I said, no, I'll take it on. I'll do it. I'll do it. I do i did not okay. know what I was going to do, but yeah, I can do this. And she'd showed such belief in me like nobody else ever had. I'd had great business, um, you know, bosses and leaders before, but nobody quite like her that did it with such a level of, um, heart filled love and and intention for someone. So I, I said, yes, and I took it on. And 17 days after I'd done that, she passed away. And so I had no handover. I had nothing. I had this amazing brand, and a website that sort of worked. And an amazing reputation and loads of people endorse it who knew where we were, and, you know, knew what we were and who we were and you know how that was, what she'd done, and because um, she was such a, a networker and amazing at creating a feeling about a business. But I had nothing else, Warren. I didn't really know how to be a PA. I didn't really know how to be a freelancer. Didn't know how to run a small business. I didn't have to make a profit. I didn't, know, I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything. I had like this. Monium, I remember about six months in, I was like, well, this is great. I've got loads of people that know who we are and loads of people seem to be really protective of me as a business owner, which is really different from the experience that most people get. And then I remember thinking, yeah, the problem is I feel like an absolute imposter. Like I'm not Sarah. I'm not running this the way she wanted me to. I'm not as good as her. Like I had that whole imposter syndrome thing going on. And it took me, a, you know, if I'm honest, it took me a good three or four years to work through that and really feel like the business was my own.
0: Because you had this opportunity, didn't you? And you had this passion mm-hmm. to do it. But you also, it must yeah. have come with a sense of burden had, and responsibility yeah.
1: and it, loyalty no.
0: to what Sarah was and what she wanted to create. And yeah. I suppose it must have taken a while to work out that it was now your business. And although Definitely. you wanted to honour that Definitely. memory, it had, you you had to change it to make it... I had to change it to make it
1: mine. Yeah, for sure. But I also, you know, still to this day, I'm very, very um, aware that I want to honour her legacy. It's not the fact that I have to at all. I want to. She created something amazing. It was well before the world and his wife had decided to be a virtual assistant, whatever that means. And it was different, you know, it was really different what she'd created and the following and the, and the reputation she'd created was something incredible So I want (laughs) to continue that legacy, but it took me a really long time to go, well, how do I do that without completely losing my soul, essentially? Um, And it it did feel that hard at times. You know, it's easy for me to say that now. I couldn't have said it back then because she is a bit of a legend. Uh, But now I think people would understand that actually looking at that with hindsight It was really hard for me to step in and be anything other than just do it like sarah did it because (laughs) that was what was working um but yeah it was it it took a i mean it didn't take me long to find my feet in terms of client work and delivering great work to clients and um and a different sort of work because my skills were slightly different from um from sarah's so it didn't take me long to do that but it took me um it took me a while to take the business in a different direction which was indeed Growing the business through a different model. So she'd always thought about having um associates, essentially, which is how most businesses like ours grow. um But it, that never sit well with me because I want I want to create partnerships with people where they are so invested in creating something amazing, which is what Sarah had done. But it, you know, I don't I don't want to work with people that are just like, oh, what's the job today, Kate? Yeah, I'll get on with that. I'll deliver it to the client, and then I'll, you know won't speak to you for next week. But that's, that's not, the, that's not the culture I want for this business at all. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so yeah, it took me a long time to go, oh, Sarah, I think you were wrong with that. I'm going to do it a different way. <laughs> so I don't know whether she was ever, you know, looking down on me going, oh, woman, will you just get on with it, which is probably what she was saying. Actually. <laughs> it, took me, it took me a long time to, to think that that was okay.
0: And I suppose that therefore led you to decide to franchise the business. Then I mean that's quite yeah. a bold decision. I'd sw- I assume at that point you were I don't know Absolutely. eight ten years in.
1: No, no, no. I I was four uh, five six years in at that point um, when I first decided to to franchise. And that was not you know it wasn't a oh I've done my research let's do it decision. It was a, a random conversation I'd had. Uh, um, an amazing networking group but I was part of uh, a solicitor who just said to me well why don't you think about um licensing or franchising oh well, yeah why don't I think about that I thought and on the way home I was like well you know let's research that and see what you know see where that leads me mm-hmm. um and I did a bit of research found out what the difference was decided that I was going to go down the franchising route how hard can that be right I was so naive <laughs> so <laughs> so so naive I heard um I heard Steve Bolton on one of your recent podcasts say he decided to franchise, and so he had this beauty parade of um, of franchise consultants, and he's got his head office in place, and he's you know throwing money at it, and let's just like do this properly. I did not do it like that. <laughs> I did not do it like that at all. <laughs>
0: Tell us the other way, then, Kate. How <laughs> yeah, did you do it?
1: This, this is how you know crazy thirty somethings do franchising. Um, yeah, I, I didn't look at it like that um because. I, you know, I didn't have his experience. I suppose that, you know, I was in a very different place with the business, and the business model is very different. Um, and I want—I knew I, at the beginning the thing that has always held true for me is I wanted to create a team of powerful individuals that deliver incredible skills and experience to entrepreneurs. It's very important—not um, to everybody, to entrepreneurs only. Um, But we are a team in doing that. And that's very unique in a franchise situation, really. It's very unique in terms of of how we work together and collaboratively support clients. And, and, you know, that approach to business is, is different for us. So I think I you know I I knew I wanted to do something different so I decided to franchise did my research and thought how hard can it be to write an operations manual so I took myself away to Devon for the weekend I didn't live in in Devon back then so I took myself away to Devon and thought I can write an operations manual in a couple of days that's rubbish you can't it takes weeks and weeks and weeks and I'm still writing it now it's an ever changing beast so um yeah it's not something that you can do in a couple of minutes um and I found my first franchisee only because, I mean, I used to be inundated every single day. I was I was getting um, contact requests by people that wanted to to explore this lifestyle that I'd created with freelancing and working with entrepreneurs and things. Um, and one of them really stood out, a lady called Dominique Bailhash, and, um, and she was just awesome. And on the way to driving to meet her, I just decided I was going to offer her a franchise. And, you know, she said, yes, we'd we'd see what happened and if she said no I'd carry on thinking about it um and over that glass of wine she said yes immediately and that was really the start of the journey it was that pilot franchisee that really saw in me what Sarah saw in me and we just decided to create this partnership where we'd grow the business together and she's now one of my best friends in the world obviously but she had you know five years or so of being a franchisee of the of the passionate PA, and she had a blast. We had a really good time, but I was building the franchise whilst she was building her business. She's now well she a, a, running
0: She was your model was right, let's find someone let's yeah, work with them.
1: Absolutely, let's develop
0: the franchise model in the real world. Yes,
1: absolutely. Rather
0: than behind the scenes and then launch with a big splash. Yeah, also, was it was a kind of gradual. It's
1: been very slow evolution. I, yeah, absolutely, and it's still slow. You know, I don't. I don't want 400 franchisees and I wouldn't take on more than five or six a year because each franchisee, the way, the way the franchise runs, each franchisee needs me. And I like that. I like the fact that I've created a lifestyle business for myself, um, in inverted commas, that, you know, I can dip in and be really, really useful to those individuals. And, you know, the, the bit about training and nurturing and um, inspiring franchisees to be the best they can be and create their level of success it's just awesome it's the it's the stuff that gets me up in the morning Warren so, so I, I love that I love that I've created a business that allows me to do that it's really
0: and is that you know obviously you've got some client relationships now but is that really your role is bringing on the franchisees and Absolutely. and then working with them intensively for a period of time Absolutely. to bed them in to yeah. get them supported yeah. and then let them fly yes thing.
1: in a world where you can learn anything on YouTube as I say I think my role is actually far more about Teaching people how to be a business owner, how to think like a business owner, and how to work with entrepreneurs. So we have this, you know, month-long intensive training program where they get as much of me as they need. And then we have a 12-week program where, you know, I'm dipping in and out of their business and and helping them launch their business. And then I'm, you know, I'm there as much as they need for the next five years of the contract. You know, it's not, um, it's not a you can only speak to me once a month sort of relationship. That's rubbish. Who wants one of those? <laughs> That's yeah. rubbish. My my whole role is to is to help them be the best business owners they can be individually and open doors for them which you know with a network like ours we really do all the time um, um yeah only weeks away about from launching a, the next franchisee and we've already got a client in the bag i mean the startup you know, freelancers can't say that. That's what we do as, as the passionate PA. That's what I do for people. So, and I love it. I love every single moment of it.
0: And when you look back now on starting that franchise journey, is there anything you'd do differently?
1: <laughs> um, if I'm honest, I probably wouldn't do it. <laughs> it costs a fortune. It costs an absolute fortune to franchise a business well, um, and it takes a huge amount of time. So. I mean would i do it all again i probably would but i'd obviously be doing it with the same um you know with different knowledge wouldn't i um if there anything yeah. i'd do differently i think i'd get out of my own way actually i you know throughout the whole business journey i've had i i stopped myself because i didn't believe in myself enough i think and i think a lot of business owners you know feel that mm-hmm. there's a um a confidence level uh, am i good enough at this level uh, you know is it if you, you know, am I am I able to do this for other people um, so I think I'd try and get out of my own way quicker um, now I feel like we've you know it's completely um, I'm really happy with what the business model is now and I'm happy with how the trainings delivered and I'm happy with the relationships I build with franchisees that's all like absolutely fine now but three four five years ago that was still being molded into something that I was happy with so um, I wish yeah. I'd got on with that quicker probably that's
0: the end and do you think that you mentioned it very early on in the conversation do you think part of that is this imposter syndrome piece coming yeah, back again yeah
1: definitely definitely I think I I think I just I you know struggled as, as some people do particularly women I think we, you know you struggle to um have the confidence to just be like I'm gonna do it anyway I don't care what people think I don't you know care how, how you know what happens you know it's the risk averse and the and And really feeling like you know it's just okay for you to do to be successful I think I struggled with that even though my dad had always wanted me to just go and make some bloody Mm. money Kate I struggled with with feeling like that's okay in a space that I can can operate from but now I'm there it's like once you're on the other side of anything it's always okay isn't it but um yeah it was a big a big journey for me
0: it is it's it's really strange isn't it in all of our business journeys and and, uh, as business owners entrepreneurs is we can be outwardly as confident, and you're yeah. an extremely outwardly confident individual, Kate, <laughs> you know, with a great personality and, you know, shows up with a smile on their face, wants to talk, wants to interact, wants to engage, wants to collaborate. But we all also have that inner voice, yeah. don't we, that oh, challenges us when we're on our own or when in, well, when we used to be able to get in the car with five faces. But, when, yeah, when, was that? but
1: when, when we're on our own. <laughs>
0: when we're on our own that inner voice sometimes that gives us doubt and it's quite hard at times to silence that isn't it and yeah definitely. I suppose it's only sometimes time and experience that you build that inner confidence and you can grow yeah. with it and that, I yeah. think
1: because and and you're absolutely right like everybody says to me oh you're so outwardly confident Kate surely you can do anything um and I think that that you know that comes from the the career I've had and having to work in an advertising agency up against people that if you told them you weren't feeling great you'd just be like kicked out immediately <laughs> like that that was the yeah. sort of culture of it um so i think you know that outwardly confident is you know has got me through to the to the sense that we you know to where we are now that has absolutely been the thing that has um that has held the passionate PA together because to the world I've always seemed like, We have absolutely got this. I know exactly what I'm doing. I know how I'm running this business. But on the inside, when you're actually choosing what the next, you know, um risk is you're gonna take or how you're gonna grow the business, you know, this year and stuff, it's really scary. And really I think probably the turning point for me was getting the best mentor I could find. Um, He's a chap called Ian. He has massive experience of the franchise industry. Um, And he was really good for me in terms of becoming the business owner I wanted to be, but also in terms of um, saying it was okay to do franchising a little bit differently because you know franchising has a bad press in the uk sometimes because Mm -hmm. it's all about the money and it's all about you know middle-aged men and everything and that's not the case when you get inside franchising there are so many interesting and powerful women inside it it's it's incredible but that's not what you see when you're first looking at it and i think that's where i was coming from you know back then so yes when i met ian who is just an incredible resource and of all knowledge he's amazing i love him um it, you know that that changed for me and having some leadership coaching as well to step into a, a really um heart-led sort of leadership role which I've always wanted that's always been where I thought I needed to be but I never felt like that was okay because the corporate world says that that's a rubbish you shouldn't lead with your heart that's weird why would anybody do that and actually that's exactly what I do do and should do and where I'm comfortable so
0: you've got to be true to yourself haven't you I think that's what I've learned over the years and it probably took me far too long to learn (laughs) that but you've got to be true to yourself you know and and if that is that you lead with your heart and you put your heart on your sleeve and you go go out there and you then that's how you lead you know
1: Um, you've
0: got to put people around you you know as your businesses grow that can manage but actually I think in an an owner managed environment people want to see that Mm. passion that belief that focus that drive and that but yeah. actually you know you're going to be honest and when it's great you're going to help celebrate the successes which I'm not sure all entrepreneurs and business owners <laughs> included are best at but when things aren't going tough people want honesty they yeah. want to see that you care yeah. and they want to know what's happening and I think it's a big advantage that us smaller business owners you know owner managed businesses independent businesses have over the corporates yeah definitely, that's gives us an definitely.
1: Edge. and that's one of the things that that new franchisees say to me all the time is that they you know, they tend to be coming from corporate environment. And I've had so many say to me, almost in tears, that they just see a very different life once they've stepped into this. Or you could be a passionate PA or you could be a freelancer or whatever it is that they're going to end up doing. It's almost an emotional release that they can see that there's a different way of living. There's a different way of being. You don't have to be chained to a desk and earning money for someone else. You don't have to do that. That's like the most... Well, I think unfulfilling thing you can do. So yeah, when people see that and understand that there's a, a different sort of leader out there as well, they they really um it's a privilege to see them realize that. It's an absolute privilege.
0: Definitely. So how so we've talked about the kind of a pilot franchise, we've talked about the ops manual, we've talked about how you then help them grow the business, but I think the challenge most people when they start to think about franchising is, is, you know, there is all of that in the background, but how are they going to find and pick Mm. their franchisees? Absolutely. And what have you learned on that journey? And what what advice would you give a listener that's thinking about, you know, trying to find some franchisees and they've done the hard grasp of the Ops manual in there?
1: Um. The best advice i think i could give for that is really think about who your ideal franchisee is obviously like absolutely get to grips with who you want in your franchise um and who you want to you know to partner with because it is a partnership you have to actually like these people which will be spending a lot of time with them um and once you know that think like they do so none of my franchisees ever know that they want to be a franchisee they don't they don't search on google you know list of franchises please like yeah. <laughs> that's, that's just not a thing um but every single franchise marketing company and which you know and they have their role they absolutely do but every single one will say you need to have your franchise listed on all the franchise listing websites of which there are tons some of them really good some of them not really good and they cost you know a fair amount of money and you think well if my franchisees don't know they want to be a franchisee why the hell is that a good way a good you know mm. use of the money It's not. But the franchise industry really struggled to understand that. The franchise industry really struggled to understand that there might be people coming into the industry that have never even heard of the word franchise. So I I took a massive step back about, um, well, it was when I was launching Claire and Jenny. So like three and a half years ago, four years ago, I took a massive step back and I was just like, right, let's do this differently then, shall we? So I started using social media advertising. Um, And I did an advertising campaign on Facebook. I remember it to this day. I've even got pictures of it somewhere. Cost me about 60 quid and I got 40 inquiries of which, you know, 50% were not right for us and we're not right for them. But from that, from that 60 quid, I got two amazing franchisees. So you just need to be a bit savvy with it. Everybody thinks marketing so difficult and complicated and you have to have a bloody degree in it, which I do have, but it's absolutely irrelevant now because it's so long ago. <laughs> but, you know, everybody thinks that marketing so tricky and finding the right people is tricky. It's not if you're already creating something incredible that draws people in um and it's not if you really think about who your ideal person is and just go and find that person you know go and find that audience alone not everything else you don't need to you don't need big pr budgets and all of those things you just need to know who your who your perfect franchisee is and go and get in front of them and if that means you know i don't know doing something really really specific like a linkedin advert for just a particular um um you know job role title then do that you know that's a better use of 100 quid than you know spending 4000 pounds on a franchise marketing specialist who wants you to do all sorts of lovely whizzy things but you know there's no point in having a pipeline of 2000 inquiries if none of them are right so yeah really get to grips with who the the ideal person is isn't mm-hmm. it my best advice.
0: What does success look like for one of your franchisees then?
1: Okay, um, so it's different for each of them. So I encourage each franchisee to really explore that. So part of our training really, really explores what does the perfect franchise you know the perfect business look like for you so and that includes all sorts of things how much time they don't want to be in the business how much time they want to spend with family and friends instead of doing this how much time they've got to to put into business development and stuff so um so success for a franchisee looks like a really happy fulfilled life and a career that they really really love that's essentially what it looks like but for each franchisee that's different so i've got one franchisee that works three days a week because she has a eighteen a, a month old son. Um and she's, you know, turning over, you know, awesome money based on those three days a week but and she's doing work that she loves. But she's not full-time that wouldn't be success for one of the other ones because the other ones would be like no we're five days a week we need to be chucking everything we've got at this um and you know some franchisees want to build a much bigger business for themselves that they can essentially sell in five years time and some are really happy with that lifestyle business essentially where they're just doing amazing work for entrepreneurs and that's their that's their level of success so it's different for everybody and that's one of the things I love the most is that it's really um, interesting for me because I get to see those different levels of success and those and help on those journeys. That's that's interesting for me.
0: I suppose the question I would always ask our clients is, "What does good look like for you?" Yeah, and that's what you're absolutely. asking your franchisees, isn't it? What does good yeah, look like for absolutely. you?
1: Absolutely, and let's yeah.
0: build the model and help you get to that stage, yeah. which is a rewarding experience, I'd imagine. It's,
1: it's awesome, and so I never, you know, we're not a competitive franchise, so they're not competitive with each other, and and I think that really helps as well because you know, if you've got one franchisee earning two and a half grand a month because she's part time, then that's fine. But if you've got another earning five grand a month because she's you know, fully at it. Then what's the point of them being competitive with each other? There's absolutely nothing. So don't don't think like that is always my um, is always my baseline really. But they, you know, it's important that they understand that they are in control of the journey. I don't set any of the targets at all. I don't want to set anybody ambitious. People don't need targets. Ambitious people need support and help. And encouragement, and when the you know poop hits the fan, somebody needs to be there to turn it off, and that's normally me <laughs> because, because I've done it all so many times, you know. So it, yeah, and that's the rewarding part of this journey, I think, and why franchisees really, really flourish when they become a passionate PA because they they realise that they can make it into whatever it is they think successful is. So yeah, and often that changes two or three years in. They they really up their game because they're like, oh, I didn't think I was aiming high enough, Kate. <laughs> and that's that's lovely too. That's really lovely when they when they see that they're capable of so much more.
0: Right. So coming back to your own story, how has running the passionate PA, being a business owner, kind of affected your personal and your family life?
1: Okay. So um, I think running a business creates. Um, choices and opportunities, and for me, it's definitely done that. Warren, like my, the choice, the you know, the opportunities I've had to work with incredible people have been huge in terms of clients but also in terms of franchisees i get to hand pick the people i want to spend my my working life with which is a real privilege um but more than any of that um about four years ago we we moved to the middle of a field because we could because you know running your own business is flexible isn't it so yeah we moved to the middle of dartmoor and bought a crazy old farmhouse and you know have done some renovating and things and I mean, my friends say I bought two ponies and got a house for free because <laughs> my, my Dartmoor ponies came free with the house. But um, but yeah, it's a completely different lifestyle, completely different to what most thirty somethings want to do and want to have. But yeah, nearly everybody in my life comes, you know, for a visit, and they're just like, "Wow, this is, is such an incredible space," and and you can work from here and actually make money, and that's a that's a real thing these days. You can work from anywhere. You you should be able to work from anywhere. So yeah, it's very important to me that I create a life I don't need a holiday from it's one of my one of my things and um and yeah living here allows us to do that for sure so yeah I'm very lucky to enjoy enjoy life here
0: and if it hadn't been for the passionate PA and you running your own business that opportunity would never have presented itself
1: no I mean I mean you probably could now post-covid live in the middle of a farm and have a corporate career but I couldn't have done that four years ago you know if I had a um a very corporate career so yeah absolutely having running the passionate PA has allowed us to do some very crazy almost brave things I think a lot a lot of people wouldn't have taken (laughs) the the financial risks we have um but when you believe in your own business enough you're you know you can do that because you trust yourself to to deliver what you need to deliver don't you so rather than yeah. not waiting for your employer to pay you to do it <laughs> so yeah, yeah absolutely yeah
0: you do you trust yourself you back yourself to make it happen yeah. don't you and I love that I love that phrase you've come out with during the course of that short conversation around create a life you don't need a holiday from yeah it's amazing but do you go on holiday
1: I mean, yeah, obviously. I mean, I'd love two weeks in the Maldives, quite frankly. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I don't want to, you know, a lot of our friends who are on the, you know, in the corporate world, they live for those two or three yeah. or five weeks a year where they can swan off and you know be in the sun and and I just don't want to live like that I saw my dad live like that his entire life mm. just waited for the weekends when he could run away to their holiday home on the Isle of Wight and I, I just that's not how I want to live so um yeah every I'm very lucky that we have a life where I enjoy every single day or at least some elements of it whereas you know a lot of people don't have that I guess today so yeah that's definitely yeah. my mantra create a life you don't need a holiday from.
0: I do ask most of our guests what's their definition of success but I think I've just got it from you there,
1: haven't <laughs> that I? That'd be it. Yeah, that would be it. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. And and just enjoying, you know, every moment and and being able to add real value to those around you, whether they're work colleagues or whether they're you know friends and family. That's what success is for me. You know, money's one thing, but once you've you've made a level of money and you've got some financial security, life's about so much more, isn't it? And and so yeah, actually enjoying every day is my definition of success for sure.
0: Brilliant and one final question we've reflected a little bit and we started the podcast on your dad and was he <clears> disappointed in you in not following perhaps his career path so is your dad proud of you now Kate?
1: <laughs> Good question uh, I think so yes I mean he's a very funny chap so he wouldn't you know come out and say Kate, you're the best thing since sliced bread bless him but um <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I think so we're very different people Warren and he you know he he's always you know been searching for money and and but in money security so not plastic wealth as he was call it and all those materialistic things, but actually security, having a really good pension fund and not having any debt and not having a mortgage. So those things have always been really important to him. but for me, you know having a full life has always been more important to me so everything I do is driven from a place of love and and fulfillment whereas his is like is that going to cost any money and I don't like that (laughs) so we are on very different pages all the time um but the irony of it all I guess so I'll leave you with this the irony of it all is that the choices and the um and the the life we've created has given him that security because he now lives in one end of our farmhouse and knows that he's going to see out his days in a beautiful part of, of Dartmoor and he's yeah. never going to be on his own so the irony of it all is if you choose love first you'll get what you want anyway <laughs> which is, as I say to him all the time and he's like oh but you shut with that woo woo stuff <laughs> he's always telling me off so yeah he would say money matters but it only matters to a certain extent I think um yeah everything else after that is about family and and having a full career definitely.
0: That must make you extremely proud to have your parents living with you and to have achieved that and to get that balance.
1: Absolutely it's not for everyone Warren it's definitely not for everyone.
0: (laughs) I can Um, imagine it's not.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We'll leave that there Uh, we won't discuss your in-laws or whatever but yeah absolutely I mean it's not for everyone but generational living is a very 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 unique thing and it creates such incredible Um, family dynamics like that there I don't know anybody that has the same family dynamics as we do and and that's really special it's really special I you know I'm in my parents lives all the time and that's really unique there are so many lonely lonely people in this world and they are never going to be that and that's the gift I can give them and and that's that is special I am proud of that you're right Warren I'm very proud of that. Um, but that's down to choices, you know, and and the, and the yep. child they created, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's all I their fault. <laughs> yeah, I, do, I don't do it out of guilt, though. You know, I'm not driven no. by guilt. I'm driven by, you know, by real love for them and creating a life that's really valuable for us. I mean, you know, they put in half the money for the house, obviously, and that's created something fabulous for all of us. So, yeah, it's special, Fantastic. definitely special
0: brilliant you've been an incredible guest Kate on the Evolve to Succeed podcast I've loved our conversation it's been wide and varied uh, as well as covering (laughs) off kind of things about starting a business franchising kind of love and creating the kind of life you don't want to take holiday from so I've really enjoyed our conversation Kate I'm sure our listeners have thank you for being an incredible guest on the Evolve to Succeed podcast
1: it's been really great fun and thank you ever so much for all the support you've given me over the years it's been really great thank you
0: I love Kate's energy and unbridled excitement of being part of someone's journey and how she creates important discussions and thought about who an entrepreneur or business leader should choose to have as their PA. Clearly to get the best PA at your side, it's also about the business owner knowing themselves very well, being willing to relinquish that control and responsibility that us business owners tend to like to have and then trusting that that someone else can do certain things better than you can. I also really enjoyed our discussion around the complicated world of franchising. I learned a lot from that particular section of our conversation and I hope that you did too. Thank you for listening and if you do want to learn more about Evolve then please to go to EvolveMembers.com you can register there for our weekly insights and newsletter as well as learn about the services that we offer at Evolve including our peer groups, one-to-one coaching, courses for teams, as well as our lovely co working space at Nationally Crossing Pool. And if you are a business leader in Dorset and Hampshire, then I'm really excited to be able to say that through the Dorset LEP and the Solent LEP, we have some fully funded peer network and peer group programs that we can offer to you. So if you want to learn more, again, go to the website or please call the team. I really do hope you've enjoyed this episode, and if so, please help us by rating, reviewing, and subscribing and listening to future episodes.